that time of year again. The leaves are changing, the air and the apples are crisper, the pigskin, it's flying through the air, and the basketball is being dusted off. I took a little bit of a break. I think I've said this before, but I, I, you know, I don't want to force anything on this podcast. I don't want to force what, what isn't there. And what wasn't there for a long time was basketball. It was the offseason. Free agency was over. There was not a lot. You know, there wasn't too, too much drama going on now over the past couple weeks. There's some stuff that happened. But we'll touch on all of that, not just on this show, but in ones to come. In one way or another, it'll all be discussed. And, you know, I viewed the first of, you know, the five or however many first episodes we did as kind of a soft launch anyways, right? I was This was something where I could get my feet wet, fool around with things uh, before the season started, try to figure out what worked, what didn't work, and, and uh, you know, that's what we did. And now it's time to put my big boy pants on and do, you know, big boy things, which is making sure I get this show out, talk about basketball with a bunch of smart people that I'm fortunate enough to know, and... The goal now, you can expect a podcast every week, especially with the season starting next week. There's going to be a lot to talk about and a lot of stuff to dive into and all of that. So we're going to jump into things on this show now. Uh, I wanted to spend a little bit of time just reworking my Eastern Conference Power Rankings. That was the last show that I did. You can go back and listen to that one, but just kind of ran through my thoughts of the East I'm going to tell you what's changed because, well, over the last couple of weeks, things have definitely changed. And where I think uh, the Chicago Bulls be, uh, the Bulls will be specifically, uh, has changed a lot. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then later, the bulk of this will probably be uh, a discussion that I get to have with one of those smart friends I mentioned earlier, who is a betting man, if you will. And he'll be able to talk about some NBA futures, uh, some over-unders and all that good stuff. And and I think it's a, a fun uh, general NBA discussion. So we're going to get into all of that. I'm happy the season is around the corner. I'm excited to get going. And uh, thank you for listening. I'll just say that now. Thank you. All right, let's get going. Okay, Eastern Conference status check, power rankings. That's what we're looking for right now. Uh, this is going to be quicker than the last time I did it because I just want to run through the things that have changed. Also, if you hear any tiny jingles or noises at the current moment, it's because my dog refuses to leave my lap. And uh, that's what happens when, you know, my lovely significant other, when she leaves and the dog gets all freaked out, she's like, hey, what the heck? She's licking the mic right now. So if you hear any any noise, we're just, you know, let's just deal with it. Uh, did you hear that? Did you hear the little licks? That was my dog's disgusting mouth. She's super tiny. She's 12 pounds. She's really cute. We rescued her like a month ago. I just, just let me have this, and uh, and and I promise it won't be every show. You're not going to hear some gross ASMR licking of the dog. I, this is just where we're at right now. I gotta get. I want to get this podcast done, so that's what we're doing. Okay, Eastern Conference status check. We're gonna run through my current power rankings for the East. I want to start. Uh, I start the same as what I did last time, and that is with the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't see how you can't start with them. I understand that the Boston Celtics, uh, you know, they obviously went to the NBA Finals last year. Extremely talented, probably going to have the best defense in the NBA. However, at this current moment, I think it's fair to say that the Boston Celtics uh, season, I don't want to say fully in jeopardy, but, you know, very confusing place. And uh, I also think in general, the Bucks are just a better basketball team. They would have beaten them uh, with a healthy Chris Middleton. I don't need to rehash all this. I think uh, as long as your team has Giannis right now and uh, you have proven to win the NBA Finals, then you are the number one seed in my mind in the east so 
Number two, that's where I have Boston. I'm actually, or that's where I had Boston, I should say. I'm actually going to change this. For right now, I'm going to move the Philadelphia 76ers into the second spot. Not only have I become a little bit higher on, uh, you know, James Harden being actually locked in for this season, I could be proven incredibly wrong incredibly fast. However, I'm high on his ability. I'm high on what they did this offseason. I'm high on Joel Embiid having that, you know, still having that chip on his shoulder after not winning the... um, MVP award after the past couple of years, so very high on what the Philadelphia 76ers can do, but even more so, I am just concerned about the things with the Celtics, so I'm dropping them to the third spot. I don't necessarily want to drop the Celtics any lower than that because we all know the potential for this team as an NBA Finals caliber team. Uh, Jason Tatum continues to improve. Jalen Brown has been fantastic. The defense is absolutely incredible. You know, the potential for this roster is just sky high and there's nothing that we can do about it. And there goes my dog. If it makes anybody feel any better, she also decided to rip one before she left, and now it smells horrible in here. Okay, one, Milwaukee, two, Philly, three, Boston. Then, as I did in my last time running through this, I'm going to emphasize a drop-off. I think there's a, those are the top three still in the East, and then you move on to Miami at number four. I'm keeping them the same. Uh, I'm. It sucks because <laughs> this is such a hard team to always figure out in my brain just because, one between Kyle Lowry, even Bam Adebayo, you know, Jimmy Butler. We don't know how many games these guys can stay on the floor. They've struggled a little bit to stay healthy. Also, I don't think Tyler Hero is necessarily worth the paycheck that he just received. That's a whole separate discussion. Uh, But you just can't rely on Miami, right? You got Spolstra. They're one of the best organizations in the NBA. Uh, They're also an organization who has been on the brink of going to the NBA Finals the past couple of years. Uh, Last year, they could have gotten there if Butler made one shot. Uh, And if they did, what, we would have been talking about the Miami Heat in two NBA Finals over the past three years. That's really freaking good, and their team hasn't changed that much. So I'm putting them at number four. They could be higher, but I think their their floor is probably four. And right now, just because of how much better and higher I am on the other teams, I have them above that, but I can't put Miami any lower. Drop off. So Miami's in their own little tier in my mind. Then this is where things really got shaken up. I don't even remember what I had exactly before this, but I know it did not go this way. And I do know that I had the Bulls at number five. The Bulls are no longer (laughs) at number five. In fact, they are significantly lower than five. At five, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers. They traded for Donovan Mitchell since I last recorded. I don't even think I really need to get into how valuable that is for that franchise, not only for this year, but for long term. He's one of the most talented scorers in the league. He just brings that edge that you need in terms of leadership and playoff experience at this point despite his young age he's been a proven playoff caliber player throwing him next to Darius Garland gives you an incredibly scary future backcourt and the best news for Cleveland while there's defensive concerns to be had with both Garland and Donovan Mitchell being smaller guards in that backcourt in the frontcourt you have arguably the best defensive frontcourt in the league with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley So this team, maybe there's some depth, you know, question marks there. Uh, If they can get one more guy to kind of bolster that bench, then, you know, maybe you're really looking at a finals contending team. Overall, though, it's hard for me not to love what the Cavs have done. And it's hard for me not to see them being a really, at least a really freaking good regular season team. And then probably having enough to make noise in the playoffs. So for me, they're fifth right now in the East. Next, uh, I do have the Nets. I moved the Nets up a little bit as well. I think 
as dysfunctional as they are, I think a sixth place is probably pretty modest, right? Like, because it's not like I'm projecting them to be all chaos, all haywire, drop into the plan tournament situation, uh, or even, you know, all goes wrong and they don't make the playoffs. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I do think their guys are going to stay on the floor. But let's say one guy doesn't stay on the floor. Let's say Ben Simmons struggles with injury trouble again, or, you know, he's having his own struggles and can't can't stay in the lineup. Kyrie leaves again, whatever purpose. There's enough talent on this roster where I just have to put them in the middle of the pack because there's potential for them to be the best team in the Eastern Conference, and there's potential for them, if nobody plays because of how dysfunctional everything was, for them to be towards the bottom of the playing tournament. But this team is deep enough, uh, and they have enough talent where I just have to have them at least in the mix right now, so that's why I put them six. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. Seven, I'm actually, this is where I'm going to put the Bulls. So I dropped them from five to seven. The reason for that is just because, one, like I said, Cavaliers, I think, just got better, and it's hard for me, especially against this Bulls team, not to like the potential matchup there for Cleveland. But also, the Nets, I just think you have to put the ceiling. Again, we call it all about ceiling. The ceiling of that team is just higher. So the Bulls, I'm going to have at seven. I think they're going to be competing all year for the play-in tournament, or to stay out of the play-in tournament for that sixth seed again. I think they're... We talk, I keep talking about floors, but I think their floor is just higher than a lot of people see it as, but they're good. They're good. We'll talk a little bit more about this as, you know, later in the show, but I just think people have put too much weight on that second half of the season, forgot everything that happened in the first half of the season, forget that there are three all-star caliber players on this team, and technically they did improve depth-wise. I mean, Andre Drummond showed very good signs last year between Philly and Brooklyn, but also in the preseason this year of being a very serviceable, solid backup center for them, which is a position they desperately needed to fill. Goran Dragic, who knows how much they're going to get him, but, you know, that's a decent addition. And then just getting guys healthy, getting a fully healthy Zach Levine to combine with DeMar DeRozan. Uh, I, I foresee a step in the right direction for Ayo Dusumu. Alex Caruso, he, he said he worked on trying to, you know, better his body and and get used to playing the 30-plus minutes per game he's playing with the Bulls as opposed to playing less than that um, with the Lakers. That's why he kind of attributes a lot of small bumps and bruises last year to maybe just not being fully ready to the workload that he was going to experience with the style that he plays. So with all that said, I just think their floor is higher than some people see it. They're going to be competing for a plan uh, or for to stay out of the play-in tournament. I just think as of right now, with the wild card nets, uh, I have to put them above them. And maybe there's a world, though, where, where the Bulls are able to steal a top-five seed again. You know, I can definitely, especially if the Cavs have problems meshing right away, if the Nets, like we're talking about, hit disaster mode. Or if any other team, you know, we never know with injuries. That stuff always happens. You just, there's always room. But the Bulls will be in the conversation. Let's put it that way. Okay, number eight. That's where I had the Hawks. So the Hawks have moved up in my mind. They moved, I believe, from number nine, I think I had them at. I'm still taking the wait-and-see approach with this team. I love DeJounte Murray. You have to respect what Trey Young is capable of. John Collins, very solid starter. I think they probably have a move up their sleeve as well. It looks like they're going to remain aggressive, try to trade for someone. I think they're in the conversation for Jay Crowder, who it's not like Jay Crowder is this excessive you know, needle mover. However, he's an incredibly solid veteran, and I can see this team being aggressive to add one more piece like that. So... That's another team who I think is going to be in the mix. However, I'm taking the wait-and-see approach with how fast this team meshes. They're, they have a good backcourt, a fun backcourt for the future, but I just didn't see enough defensively from this team last year. Yes, Murray's going to clean up a lot of issues, which we'll see how much of a difference that makes, but 
I don't know. The, the Hawks have been weird the past couple of years. Two years ago, they looked, you know, like world beaters. Last year, they looked completely lost. Does one big addition of DeJounte Murray fix everything? I don't know. We'll see. Trey Young's going to have to learn to play more off the ball. They're going to have to learn how to play with one another. Yes, it sounds a little hypocritical to say that when we just saw Zach and Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan play together at the flip, you know, flip of a switch. They looked great. But at the same time, those are two more veteran players. These are two young players who just haven't had this experience yet. So wait and see approach with them. That's where I'm at. What am I at right now? Number nine. So number nine, I have the Raptors. Now th- this could this could be wrong. We'll see. Another extremely well-coached team who you ha- have to feel like their ceiling is or their floor is just pretty high. However, watching them in the preseasons, I still have concerns about their offensive identity. I'm just confused on whether they'll be consistent enough on that end of the floor to compete with some of these other teams in the East. Defensively, they're incredible. I mean, with just so many length, and in today's NBA, you need the kind of high-caliber, lengthy wing defenders that they have. At the same time, they do- they have not solved the issues at the center position. Even a guy you know like Nikola Vucevic on the Bulls, he can kind of feast on them in certain games. How are they going to stop? You know, Joel Embiid, how are they going to stop Giannis? And I know nobody can stop them, right? But they, they are going to have potentially even more trouble, at least around the rim. They have the other players to, to to give maybe a team like the Bulls, like the wing defenders and that stuff like I talked about. They have those guys to give um, the Bulls and everybody problems. But I don't know why. I just, I don't know what it is. There's just some sort of appeal about the Raptors diminished a little bit um, for this immediate season. Feels like they're just kind of maybe missing some sort of piece, but Maybe OG Ananobi finally reaches the potential that a lot of people see for him this year. Scotty Barnes, he could take another massive step. Incredibly gifted and talented player. So there's plenty of room for them to just prove me wrong, be an incredibly solid top six team. Uh, just when I look at the other teams in the East right now, there are other people, there are other squads that just intrigue me a little bit more. That's kind of all it is. So let's quickly run back through things. Number one, Bucks. Two, 76ers, 3, Celtics, 4, Heat, 5, Cavaliers, 6, Nets, 7, Bulls, 8, Hawks, and 9, Raptors. That's where we're at. Then there is another drop-off. So those are all the teams I think will be competing for a real playoff spot, potentially. The Ducks drop-off, though, comes... And the next three teams, at number 10, I have the Knicks, 11, the Wizards, and 12, the Pistons. Nothing has changed there. I think that's what will be. And I think think the Pistons have a very good chance. You know, only one thing really needs to go wrong for either the Knicks or Wizards to have a pretty down year. And also this year, in general, I think more teams, if one thing goes wrong, press that tank button. Let's try to go get Big Vic from France. Let's go to get, try to go get Scoot Henderson. The top of this draft is too intriguing not to just embrace the tank for a year. So if the Knicks or Wizards, they face one, you know, hurdle, I could see a team like the Pistons, young, hungry. They're going to chase that playing spot and uh, at, at number 10. So I'm not going to be shocked, let's say, if the Pistons end up squeaking into the final play-in tournament spot. But we'll see. They're still at the bottom of that three-man group that I have of Knicks, Wizards, Pistons. Then a drop-off, and you have Hornets, Magic, Pacers. And that's how we close things out. Okay, now I would like to introduce, he's a producer for BetQL Daily and You Better You Bet. He also hosts the Bears Nation podcast. A friend of mine, a smart better, Jake Hassan. Jake, thank you for joining me. 
Yeah, happy to be here, man. And uh, throwback, we texted about a little bit. Throwback to the old Illini drive days. It's kind of like a, a feel-good story, a feel-good reunion, if you will. Yeah, it's a fit. look at both of us. We're we're industry <laughs> men. We're both out there trying to <laughs> trying to work and do our thing. And now we 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 get to join back up for for this show. I've had on Isaac before, who uh, used to be he works for Two Forty Seven Sports. He, he's a nobody. Yeah, he's a no guy. one. I mean, yeah. that's why I saved you for closer to the season. More people are going to listen right, anyway. Yeah. Now people will flock now. now yeah, people. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, obviously I have you on and I kind of, you know, probably get a hint of it uh, to those listening in the introduction. You know, uh, is it safe to say you're a betting man, Jake? Yeah, I would say uh, it's it's been about a year and a half now, it's almost two years working uh, with BetQL here. And so, yeah, I think a betting man is, is a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I would label you. Uh, I would label you a betting man. And, uh, you know, I I personally am am not the uh, the most avid better. However, I always think it's interesting to look at the lines for every game, look at preseason bets, all that type of stuff, because in a lot of ways it can be very telling. I mean, one Vegas knows their stuff, right? So it can be very yeah. telling not only of what could happen, but just like what the general public expects to happen. And it's interesting to talk about those things and uh, and you know see if we agree with them or just elaborate on why we think uh you know certain lines might be certain ways so basically what i i'm just going to keep this pretty casual this is going to be a wide-ranging nba discussion at the end obviously i want to do uh a bulls centric kind of discussion so we can save a lot of chicago bulls thoughts if you have any for the end uh that's what i'm trying to do with the show man i got i know i got majority of the people listening are because of bleacher nation the bull stuff but i want to talk about the nba as a whole <laughs> it's, it's a tease that's what we call a tease yeah, and that's what i always do it's always like oh we'll just wait but then it's funny because you can look at the analytics you know and the when you when you go look at things it's like i know you're skipping to the bull stuff but uh, there's some people who will listen to the all nba stuff so we're going to uh just start with some broader nba topics and I kind of want to just call this segment-ish, if you will, uh, bets I like for teams I like more. So I wrote down just, you know, certain bets that caught my eye, but they also relate to teams in general that I'm high on this year. And so we can kind of use some of these um, bets and they're, you know, their majority of them are uh, going to be, you know, award-based or things like that. Sure. But I think we can use them as a sounding board to just have more general discussions about that team, the preseason they had, the upcoming season, that kind of thing. So uh, I'm assuming you have some stuff in mind. I will get us though. I'll get the ball rolling here. I wanted to start with just some West coast, uh, some, some West coast teams. And specifically I wanted to look at the Clippers. Now I will say I've been used, I've used FanDuel to look at most of these uh, to look at most of the current lines and so for them, what they have is, you know, the conference odds. And the Clippers currently are listed at a plus 330 to win the Western Conference. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the third, maybe the third best odds. I could probably double check. But uh, to me, that just stands out immediately because when we're talking about this Clippers team that returns Kawhi Leonard, uh, Paul George, and then you add John Wall to the mix, who were truly this preseason has looked a little bit rejuvenated. And then when you factor in the fact that they were a playoff team last year without any of those guys, uh, just because of the, the depth they have on this team is going to be insane. So sure. I look at that as as an interesting uh, bet right off the bat. And I'm just curious, what do you think about the Clippers this year? Do you like that? Have you looked at any Western Conference stuff? What do you think about that? 
Yeah. So, I mean, the Clippers obviously have been a huge top of conversation. Uh, The big thing being the Kawhi Leonard return. We haven't seen him in a really long time. Haven't seen him on a court. Obviously he's got the new new balance commercial and he looks shredded and he looks great. Awesome. It's just the Clippers are such an unknown quantity at this point. I mean, great. John Wall can look great in the preseason. What happens when he misses, you know, 40 games with a knee injury, uh, you know, because that's going to happen. John Wall has had trouble staying on the court or even wanting to be on the court, obviously famously in his last situation. So I I get the appeal of the Clippers. It's just at that price as the third favorite for the Western conference. I just don't think you can fully buy in with this team yet because, you know, we know Kawhi Leonard's a great player and we know Paul George is a great player, but there is going to be a period where you probably can assume that they're going to have to mesh again. And there's and granted with great players, they are great players. And both those players specifically are listed pretty high on the MVP odds for a reason because they are great players and they, and they'll mesh. It's not like it's their first time playing together. You assume that it'll be pretty quick for them to mesh, but if it does take a month or so, that price is going to drop. And it might not drop substantially. You might get a five or a four to one, but you still will have a chance to get a better price at that point. And if it continues to slide and they fall down, you know, let's say they go on a losing streak or things take a while to, you know, kind of get worked out between George and Leonard and Wall and then the rest of the depth too, because it's a completely new situation for those guys last year that were starters that are now in reserve roles. So, if things take a little bit of a little while, a month, maybe two months, and obviously then everyone in LA is going to be like, oh my God, hit the panic button. Everything's going to hell. We're screwed. And that won't be the case because it's the Clippers and they do have a ton of talent and they'll be able to bring it back. I would just say at this moment, wait a little bit because there's going to be an opportunity when the Clippers have this kind of feeling out period. You know, the, the chance of them hitting the ground running right away and meshing right away and being a championship contender right away is not as high as that the first couple of weeks are maybe going to take a little bit and maybe be a little rough, a little rusty, and you could possibly get a better price there. So for the Clippers right now, I'm not going to jump in yet. I would probably wait a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So actually, no, I think that's, I think that's a uh, great analysis, Jake. No, but I think that's Thank great. You. No, that's a great point because when you have to, th- that's how you have to think about a lot of this stuff, right? Is like, can I get a better value at a later date? And the thing right now is that so many people are definitely on the Clippers and you mentioned it like that is a preseason favorite for a lot of people just because of the star power they get back and kind of like how I mentioned before, just the there's no question that they are one of the deepest teams uh, in the league and uh, specifically in the Western Conference. But the question is, you know, how fast is that all going to mesh? Yes, these are all veteran players. Uh, yes, you know, they, like I said, they made the playoffs last year and things like that. But when you are completely changing usage, you know, usage ratings and all this stuff, and like, you know, a guy like Reggie Jackson, he's somebody who was doing so much for this team last year, who's going to do a lot less this year. How is he going to be able to address? So it's like, yes, it's a privilege to have certain of the certain players go to the bench, go to a reserve role and these type of things. But then how are they going to adjust and how quickly is that going to happen is, is as you bring up. Um, super important to watch out for, which is why, yeah, it's probably a good point with the Clippers. It's like in a month from now, kid, maybe they get off to a slow start. It doesn't, maybe they end up even, maybe even they end up as like a four or five seed, right? In the West. And they're not at toward the top where you are. Like you're probably gonna get better value than this currently in yeah. a couple months to win it. So, you know, don't hop on right now, even if you're excited. And I know it could be easy. I'd like, I'm assuming people listening to this, you know, probably, and that's why it's good to have, have you on Jake, like pretty new, like, pretty what would I, inexperienced betters i would say or you know just like sure, people who, grab, yeah. who could go on you know they're going on the app they're looking for things that are interesting and it could always be 
enticing just to, when you see a team like that with the plus money or whatever. But it's also like, just wait, because that's, it, it's not like that's, yeah. it's not like all of a sudden the plus 330 is going to become, you know, like a minus like <laughs> one. That's right. not going to happen. The, the, the plus money is always enticing for people. You see that number and you're like, oh my God, I, you know, I put in a hundred dollars. I could win 300. Well, also what you have to consider is, a lot of these bets, if you're doing futures, especially these aren't going to cash till June. Like, do you, do you really want the book or whatever you're betting to be holding your money for the next, you know, eight months? Like that's a long time to be holding your money too. So you're going to get more value waiting too. I think the biggest tale and the biggest thing you're going to hear this year, especially when it comes to futures and conference winner and even title is people are going to look at the Celtics from last year and the Celtics were, a um, below average team and they were disappointing everyone up until January when they really took off at that time before they ripped off that winning streak you could have found the Celtics to win the division not even not even win the Eastern Conference not even go to the finals not even win the finals to win their division because the 76ers were playing so well at 27 to 1 and they went on this win streak and the 76ers dealt with their issues and it flipped and then lo and behold the Celtics win the division and granted everything had to go right and a lot of things had to go exactly the way it did for that to cash. That's what happens with the big price, but also you can wait. That's the type of things. And it won't be to that scale, but if you wait, especially in the NBA where things are so topsy turvy and they change like that, you can wait until January and find those values. You might come back here and revisit this in January and the Clippers eh, had a first couple rough first couple months. You might get them at 10 to one. You know, maybe it was just more average than below average. Maybe they weren't as bad as the Celtics of last year, but you might get a 10 to one. You might get a nine and eight where you get more value. So that's just the thing too. Like, when you're at this point in preseason and everyone's obviously excited because the season's about to start like, Oh, the NBA is back. Here we go. I've been waiting so long for this, even though the NBA off season is like the blink of an eye. Like then if you really want them to hold your money for eight months for something that could change or that you could maybe get better value for later. So that's the only thing just, you know, think about it in terms of that too. Right. And so, uh, I think on the, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think, looking on the flip side of what we're talking about right now, where I actually do think it's decent value at the moment, just because this is something unlike a, you know, winning the conference. This is what we're going to talk about now is moving to a one seed. And so specifically I, I saw a bet for, uh, or I saw the line for the Grizzlies, right. For the Memphis Grizzlies to finish as the number one seed in the West, it's at a plus plus eight fifty. Now that's a number for me that I see in a month from now, a month and a half from now could be, significantly less value just because I think one, that's a team that can get off to a hot start Two, That's a team last year. And we saw it. They're built. I mean, they're built for regular season success. They're young. They're going to play aggressive all, uh, all regular season long. Uh, they have a ton. Uh, well, obviously like John Moran, I think, and this is something we can get into too. I think that could be an MVP, you know, caliber performer. Yeah. So they're just a team to me that I look at. And I think they're going to get off to the ground running. If anyone's a good regular season team it's a team like them and i think they could also be a good postseason team but like you know teams like the the difference i think with people we use this lingo a lot now or a lot of people do when they talk about good regular season teams and while memphis could also be a good postseason team the way i look at them is unlike the clippers right who we talk about having all this star power and it's like maybe they're fifth seed or whatever because they're resting guys throughout the year maybe john wall does take a couple weeks off you know like maybe you know they get injured all the time whatever but right. like you still believe as long as they're healthy heading into the playoffs, they can, you know, pull it off and they can win it. They don't need to worry about the regular season. Same thing with the Warriors. I think we'd say the same thing about like the Suns at this point, right? Even almost a team sure. like the Nuggets who have proven themselves in the playoffs thus far, like 
as long as they can get their guys back beforehand, you have a two-time MVP, like anything can happen in, in the postseason. It doesn't really matter exactly. As long as you're finishing that top six, really, and like you don't have to worry about the plan, you could have a good, sh- a good shot if you're healthy heading into the postseason. For Memphis, I think while there's some of that there with them where they have potential to be a very solid uh, playoff team, the way I view them is like that's still going to be a good regular season routine regardless. They're going to be trying. There's no, they're super young. There's nobody they're going to be resting. It's not like Jaw's going to be taking nights off. You know, there's some injury trouble, things to worry about, with like a Jaron Jackson Jr. or things like that. But we also saw from this team last year, even if someone gets hurt, like I don't remember exactly what the record was about Jaw last year, but it was absurd. You know, it was like they were they were even better technically <laughs> when Jaw wasn't their winning percentage when Jaw wasn't in the lineup. So it was one of those situations where like this team is just like built to win every night and they're going to try to win every single night and they're not going to be worrying about things. So the fact that they have, I think it's like the fifth best odds to finish as the, is the number one seed is pretty, pretty good value for me. And that's one that I could see dropping pretty rapidly. If they get off to a hot start and they're sitting, you know, top three for the first two months in of the season, like people probably aren't going to expect them to have a, a massive drop off. Yeah. So in you're totally right. Like that, those are different profiles. The Clippers profile is a team that they're playing. They're waiting for the playoffs. They know they can coast for the regular season and they just want to get in and then they'll bring everyone in and then nobody's resting anymore. And then they can really take off. That's how they feel. That's been their end goal really since Kawhi Leonard got to that team. Whereas on the flip side, you know, like you said, the Grizzlies, they're young. They feel like they have something to prove. They have a couple budding stu- superstars, stars, all-stars, whatever, however you want to, you know, define John Moran and Jaron Jackson, that whole group. And they feel like they want to come out hot. They want to f- hit the ground running. They had a disappointing exit in the playoffs last year where they felt like they could have done more. So now they're like, all right, we're here. We got to prove that we're here to stay now. I think that's completely true. And like you said, you know, that is a bet that is for sure going to just go down in value. And that fits the profit. It's about identifying things like that and being able to pick and choose those teams where the Clippers and the Grizzlies are on two very separate spectrums here where of what they want to accomplish. And I think you're completely right about the Grizzlies that they are that young team and they're going to be a really good regular season team because of how they profile to come out of the gate. Right. It's like- and I talked about this. I talked about this with you a little bit. I I'm holding a Minnesota Timberwolves. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I wanted you to go on to that. Like that's, that's, I think we can just kind of transition into them because there's similar vibes, I think between at least for yeah. the reason you see the value in them and just the reason I think you like them this year, there's probably similar reasons be- between the Grizzlies and them. Yeah. I, and absolutely. They're a young team. Obviously they added Rudy Gobert to kind of complete their, if you want to call it a big three, sure. Uh, but they're three stars and which we always see in the NBA. Now that's basically what you need to contend for a title. Um, but the Grizzlies are that type of team. They were plucky. They were scrappy. They were, you know, in the mix last year and they didn't really go as far as they wanted to. Obviously the whole Patrick Beverly celebration after they won one playoff game and that was a whole meme. Uh, and now they want to go farther and they want to do, so they're going to come out hot and they're going to want to prove that, you know, we've arrived and that, you know, we have a, a star superstar budding superstar on our hands and Anthony Edwards, which I'll get into in a little bit because I have a position on him as well. But the Timberwolves profiles, that same team where, they're not going to rest anybody. They're going to want to try and make the most advantage advantageous spot possible for themselves by the time the playoffs come around. Because if they're only in the play play in, it's a lot dicer. If they get that one and they can get you know a better matchup or a buy or however you know it shakes out, they're in a better spot then because they know they can't really run with the Clippers or the Suns or the Warriors. Because while they think they can win a championship, they know 
they want to delay seeing those teams as late as possible and give themselves a better chance. And maybe somebody else knocks out one of those teams later in the playoffs. Right. Well, yeah. And I think too, this is specifically when we talk about the Timberwolves and, uh, and this is not necessarily from like a value perspective of, of looking at what any of uh, the current bets are, but just like comparing them to the Grizzlies, even more than the Grizzlies, I think they have stuff to prove this year because with the Grizzlies, at least they got into the playoffs they were giving everybody a tough time. They look like they were on, if John Morant didn't get hurt, I mean, who knows exactly where that goes, right. but like they were a team that looked like they could make a run to the Western conference finals last year, pretty, you know, pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the Timberwolves though, that's a team who just made a huge trade, literally mortgaged their entire future to add Rudy Gobert. And, you know, he's a very, say what you will about Gobert. I don't, I don't think at all the about the price that they paid is going to end up being worth it for, for his services, but he's still an elite, the, probably the most elite rim protector in the, you know, in the NBA, he's still a uh, three time defensive player of the year. He's still going to make an immediate impact on that team. And they're still going to want to approve immediately that he makes that impact. So for me, I think when it comes to the regular season, like that is a team that's good. That's going to be trying to, you know, show who they are and what identity they have right away. Again, whether or not that actually leads to playoff success is a big question. Cause I don't know exactly how this, Carl Anthony Towns go bear combo is going to work. Usually with a guy like Anthony Edwards, you know, you need to, this it doesn't happen that quickly. You know, he's super special. He's a, he's an amazing player. And I know you, I you have some thoughts on him, but like it doesn't happen that quickly where he's able to single-handedly, you know, you have to be super gifted to single-handedly kind of with that, uh, a team in the playoffs to kind of true playoff success, I guess. But regardless, I think, I think the Timberwolves are, Definitely a regular season team to watch. Definitely a team to check out where you can get their value right now because it, it could only go up when we consider, you know, two months from now. They could easily be within the top four, I think, of the West, depending on, you know, what other teams have injuries, how are things going for them or whatever. Right. And th- and that's kind of why I have this position on them for, to be the one seed going forward because, you know, you alluded to it. Rudy Gobert, say what you will about him. He is a really good regular season player. Whatever his play, you know, he kind of has a habit of disappearing in the well, playoffs. Well, you can run him off maybe... the floor. Yeah, the, the big concern always right. is you can run him off the floor, play small ball or whatever. But, I mean, it's – it. and, the, again, those are sometimes a little bit overblown. But, yeah, in the regular season, we've seen it with the Jazz. They were they were one of the best regular season teams the past couple years. Like, what, two yeah. of the past, like, four years or whatever it was, and maybe even more than that. And it was be- a lot of reasons. I mean, Donovan Mitchell was great, but a lot of it was the defensive foundation that Gobert brought. But, yeah. Right, and so uh, that's kind of why I think – he doesn't have to be the guy, you know, in, in Utah, even it was Donovan Mitchell was kind of the score and the lead guy. And then Gobert was kind of the defense. And that's why I like the Timberwolves because Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns can be your scores and your facilitators and your key points on offense. And Rudy Gobert can say, okay, go down in the block and be big. And if we need you, we need you or just, but mostly you're just there for rebounds if we need it. And then when the postseason comes, whatever, but back to Anthony Edwards, you know, I have, I'm currently holding a 500 to one ticket on him for MVP, huge price. And it, obviously not really expecting it to, you know, cash, but if it does awesome. And I made this bet before the Rudy Gobert trade happened. And then when it happened, I was like, great, this is nothing. <laughs> You're like, my agenda is working this out. Is exactly. And and then that price came down to a hundred to one. And even still, sometimes it's, you know, at some places, depending on where you looked over the off season, it was below that. Now, the thing with Anthony Edwards is it's kind of the John Morant path where John Morant was at a lot of times last season. He's going to be in the MVP. Oh, my God. John's great. Look at these dunks. Look, he, like he fits the profile of John Morant. Hyper athletic, 
scores in bunches and makes these super like these highlight reel plays that put it that you see on Twitter or on Instagram or on TikTok, And that obviously helps now in this day and age, putting him in front of as many faces as possible, as many eyeballs as possible is huge. Yeah. So then the Edwards, it's that he's improved year to year, you know, since he got in the league, it's gotten better and better. The scoring, the efficiency, the involvement on offense. And of course, obviously the dunks are the big thing. And you know, when, when he does something cool, that's the big thing, but well, and, and if we're going to be honest, I mean, like, it sounds silly, right? But like highlight plays, getting on that, yeah. you know, getting on sports center, that stuff, it sounds stupid. It matters. That stuff matters. That really does matter. Like, I mean, and even, you know, Jokic, the reason that, like, I mean, there's tons of reasons and advanced analytics are all in his favor, but like, he's making these savvy passes. He's literally just this like weird presence to watch because it's like <laughs> he's so it's so strange that he looks this good and anthony edwards is one of those kind of players where it's like he just bulldozes yeah. like you know he just bulldozes through guys he makes the big play so it sounds silly but like when it comes to voters like you know what stands out to like voters like what catches their eye i mean little things like that build up over time but yeah, yeah and, and it's a build up and, and now we expect him to be on a team that could be the number one seed in the west if not a top three seed uh and a team that's going to be involved and going to be in front of our eyes a lot. And that we're going to be talking about, which is obviously a big thing as well. Now, like I said, it's probably more of the John Morant path and he probably ends up as the most improved player, which is why he's the favorite for obvious reasons. But there is that outside chance that, you know, he, he doesn't just take a step forward. He takes a leap and that he's, and then we're talking about him as the reason that the Timberwolves have arrived or however you want to put it. And then that 501, even if it ends up at the end of the year where I'm looking at a cash out, I mean, he might be one of the, cause John Morant was, you know, top five and MVP voting at one point. And he was kind of looking at, I was like, is John Morant going to be the MVP? Like this could be kind of crazy and injuries and other things kind of took him out of that conversation and Jokic being awesome again, really helped. So who does who does he have to jump? Obviously, Jokic again. Which is he going to win three times? No, probably not. But Embiid, Luca, Steph's always going to be there. I Giannis, mean, Giannis could always win a third time just because of how amazing he is. Right. But yeah, I mean, there's it. So yeah, this is what I think about that. Like, basically, what I think about the Anthony Edwards thing is that on one hand, the reason that it's such a smart approach is just because, like you said, there's a real path for you know, the Timberwolves to be the one seed. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, if you're the, if you're a one seed for a good portion of the year, you're going to be like your best player is going to be in the MVP conversation. Right. So from that standpoint, it makes, it makes complete sense. Now the flip side and I'm not at all trying to poo-poo on any Anthony Edwards bet. You got great <laughs> yeah, this, value. You, know, you got this, great this value. This is like a line I drive again. You're just kicking me down, just disregarding what I'm saying. No, no. You're, this is great value. You got amazing value. You got it before the Gobert trip. Like, I give you props. And like you said, there's a real potential here for, like, cash. You can get a cash oh, out yeah. later on on this. But the reason that I just don't uh, see it happening, other than the uh, idea of just, like, you know, a super young player, it's so rare that somebody's able to take that leap that uh, fast it's honestly more about the team that he does play for because when you have somebody like Gobert and you have someone like Cat in the eyes of voters, it's like, okay, well, you also have these two all-star players, you know, these two all-star caliber, caliber players. If you have Jokic, right? Murray, like his two second best players, Murray, mm -hmm. you know, Michael Porter Jr. Neither made an all-star game with Giannis. Yeah, you, Chris was, you know, somebody that uh, is an all-star caliber player, but I think a lot of people would say he's an all-star caliber player because he plays with Giannis. <laughs> and then Drew, he's made an all-star. He's made, And I, I mean, Chris is, like, I love Chris Bilton. He's super sure. good, super talented. It's just, I don't think they necessarily view him as, you know, I don't know. I, he's not the same caliber as, yeah, like maybe like a Cat or a Rudy mm -hmm. 
who have individually led their team or been a part of leading their teams in the playoffs by themselves, you know, with the, so whatever, I just think who he plays with creates a little bit of a barrier there in some people's sure. minds because he's just like, well, those two people are really key in making the team better as well. Now, if you look at John Moran, on the other hand, you know, he's sitting there with his second best players being Jaron Jackson Jr. And like Desmond Bain and all due respect to those two players as well. Those aren't all-star caliber players right now. And could they be eventually? Absolutely. But it's like, will John Morant make them that or were they already that? And in Minnesota, it's like those two were already that and Anthony Edwards is playing alongside them. He's not necessarily making them that, if that makes sure, sense. Yeah. Like that is sometimes I think can impact how people um, how people kind of go about thinking of who the MVP is, sure. if, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's not to say like that. I think there's... But like you said, the reason it's still smart is like if anyone was going to be in the conversation, if the Timberwolves were a one or two seed, you know, more than halfway through the year, like it's going to be most Anthony of the time. Edwards, him, yeah. Simply put, yeah, it, he's the best player. Like unless something crazy happens with Gobert and his scoring goes up or his defense is somehow even better, or like, <laughs> you know, maybe Cat, like something unlocked with Cat where he's even better. But the chances are it will be Anthony Edwards. Sure. So that's why the bet's still t- totally, I mean, it's totally worth the gamble. Yeah, and it was more of a price thing. Like, at that price for a guy who's going to be a star well, player. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, as opposed to someone like, I mean, you look around at a lot of these, Zion's like a, a 50 or a, even a 30, and he's one of the biggest unknown quantities in the NBA. We think he's going to be great. Right. It looks like he lost a ton of weight, and he looks shredded. He looks great. He looks awesome. And, you know, the Pelicans' ownership at press conferences is drooling over him, literally, like they've never seen him before <laughs> because they basically haven't. Yeah. And he's one of the big, like, if you make that bet, yeah, it can work out great. You got a great price of 50 to one, but also like he might miss 40 games again or something weird might happen with him again. It's like, at least with Anthony Edwards, it's at that big of a price at 500 to one. It's like you guys, you know, this guy is on that path. He's on that trajectory. Now, now Grant, that's to take sure. nothing away from Zion. He could be, and probably will be a star. It's just, it, right, it's no, kind of like Zion we were talking about with, more to prove. Yeah. It's kind of like we were talking about with the Grizzlies and the Clippers, you know, it's like identifying what is more likely to happen. You know, and what's more likely yes. to happen than Anthony Edwards? He continues to ascend and continues to be, you know, be an all-star and become a superstar in this league. Or is he likely to be a guy that's priced at 500 to one? It's the former in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at the MVP, like just the who's most in the mix, you know, you have, I think we kind of labeled it earlier, but I got the list in front of me. It would be like Luca, Giannis, Embiid, Jokic. You can never rule out Durant. Right. And then. You know, it's it's hard for the multi-time winners, but like Curry, of course, is going to be in there. And then, you know, new MVP winner types like Morant obviously should enter the equation. I mean, well, Luke is technically new as well, but everyone just expects him right. to be going in every year now. <laughs> and uh, and I think the, the big name to watch out for, too, would be Tatum just sure. because yeah. of after last year, they finally get to the finals. I think they're always a little bit. There were always question marks about Tatum, whether or not like he was the real alpha, whether or not his playmaking would come, would come into play a little bit more. And I think last year, while he was a little bit up and down in the playoffs, he still showed like, okay, yeah, I can still be the lead guy on getting my team to, you know, a potential championship. They were what, two games away from winning it all. So this feels like the type of year for a player like that, where it's like, as long as, especially after all this offseason stuff for the Celtics, Oof. if they can't, which like, I am not, I, I have my questions and concerns about the Celtics this year. I do think there could be like a, finals trip hangover for them big time after especially everything with the offseason yeah. but i kind of thought that in general but uh just because i don't think their defense can hold up and be as great as it was last year they have a great they're gonna have a great defense but like the second half last year was it was like special stuff that yeah. it's just hard to imagine that happens again but with tatum 
if they do, if they're able to just hang around, be a one seed, like they're kind of projected to be and people think they're going to be, we talk about who's the best player. Well, it's Tatum. And after a finals trip last year, like he's just one of those guys for me where it, it, it could be decent value right now to just hop on that name because he's, we talk about players whose value might diminish. If the Celtics start the season, how people at least expect them to start, then I can't imagine that his number, you know, going any, you know, it, it's not You're not going to gain value. Right. I mean, me personally, if, I mean, if you're betting the Celtics win total over, you're betting any like Tatum or even if you're taking a, Oh yeah, just hop on tape. Like I, <laughs> Anybody, I want nothing to do with the Celtics. Like you are much braver than me if you are touching the Celtics at all, because it's just kind of like what we talked about the Clippers. It's such an unknown, and their win total. I mean, it was sitting at 55, 56. Like it was high. It was insanely high. It was, I mean, almost touching 60 in some places. And now, I mean, now it's come down a little bit, but I want nothing to do with that because there's just so many facts. Like you have Celtics players on their media day saying, yeah, like we don't really know what's going on with the team right now. You know, we don't really know what's going on with, you know, the coaching. That's not great. I mean, talent will get you so far, you know? And like I said, you have the reigning defensive player there. You have one of the leading MVP candidates. You just went to the finals. You're a very talented team. And they made some really uh, shrewd offseason moves too, obviously, but Talent's only going to get you so far. I want to see it first is the only thing before I jump in. Like, I don't want to pin my hopes on this team winning 57, 58, 59, 60 games. And I don't want to pin my hopes on Jason Tatum being, you know, coming out and scoring 30 a game and being awesome every night before I see it. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather see it first. And, you know, win totals usually stay up. MVP odds obviously stay up all year. I'd rather see it. And yeah, maybe I lose a little bit of value on Tatum, but I'd rather give it a week or two and maybe, you know, get them at a slightly worse number than bet them right now with all the hype and on the hype train, and then he just crashes and burns. It's just the Celtics are such an unknown to me where it's kind of, it, it doesn't smell right. It smells a little funky. It's like, it's like it doesn't really pass the sniff test for me. It's the chicken that's been in the fridge for about three days, and you're kind of like, this might be good, might not be so good. I don't really yeah. know right now. So it's, it's just I'm going to err on the side of caution when it comes to the Celtics. I could be totally wrong, and I probably will be. But it's just when I'm looking at the prices especially, it's like I'm going to wait on this because I, there's a real chance you get burned. All right, yeah. So I think I think overall, like I totally understand there's, there's skepticism around the Celtics, and there should be, but I just think that there's – it's a variance thing. And I talk about this with the Bulls too. I think there's a lot of variance in like what they could be, right? So we talk and, – and they have an even higher ceiling, of course, than what we've seen. The Bulls have, but I just mean it in terms of they could be the one seed. Like, I don't think it's not like we're going to be shocked if they are mm -hmm. right. So it's like you bring up all these these fair reasons to be concerned. But it's also like if they happen to be the one seed heading into the playoffs, like no one's going to be surprised after last year. At the same time, if they happen to be a fifth, a six or, you know, like just spin out of control, no one's going to be surprised because of the amount of stuff that happened right. either. So totally understand it um, from that point. A couple last things, NBA, like, league-wide that I just kind of uh, was interested in or things that caught my eye while I was just, like, looking looking around um, player props and potential award winners and things like that. Uh, just one thought. Anything, like, I don't know how you vote on most improved or, like, how you uh, how you judge any most improved, like, bets or anything like that. I think those are so funny now just because, you know, like, what, John Morant winning it was just absurd like he i don't know how they judge those things anymore right. because in my mind it's like probably like zion would win it this year right like they don't want to give him comeback player of the year or something so they would like if he has a great year there's a chance that he would win most improved and i'm like is he really going to be the most improved sure. player like he was awesome whenever he did play and it was the kind of the same thing with job like job was really good last year too and i so like 
Jordan Poole, I could also see falling into the discussion of like a most improved just because it's at last year. He was awesome. He was super good. And I can't imagine him being, he probably is going to be that good this year, but he'll do it for the whole year. And then people are going to be like, oh, well, most improved. And in my mind, I'm like, no, nah, he was that good last year. But it's just like, you need to recognize him somehow. So sure. you're going to give him the most improved award. I feel like that's what's happened with most improved recently. And I'm just bringing it up because it bothers me. Yeah, no, but... I, that's totally, I mean, that's the major gripe with most improved. And that was the gripe last year with Ja. It's like, how can he really be most improved? He was the number two overall pick. Like, right. How, oh, well, that's it. Yeah. And even with Zion, it's like, how much more improved can he be? He was number one overall and he was really awesome when he played. Like when you're going like, to, when it gets to, when it's handed to like someone like, uh, like Jimmy Butler right sure. or even like i think Giannis wanted right but that was because like they took significant leaps yep. and were like not expected to be you know like or no one knew what they were going to be like no one knew what the potential sure. was there so that the voting for that award has become all messed up as for rookie of the year i don't see a world how paolo other than injury which like knock on wood he doesn't get i don't see a world how he doesn't win it just because everything the magic well i mean one he looks great and he looked yeah. great during any like off-season workout stuff but the magic are just going to run everything through him it's going to be his show. And then like Jabari, for example, and with the Rockets, right? Like it's, he has to play next. He has to play next to their other draft picks. And sure. I just don't see a world where like, he's going to be the number one guy all the time. Whereas like Paolo's obviously that person. And a lot of times that just ends up who, who gets, that ends up the person who gets rookie of the year. The other person I could see in the mix, like if Paolo got hurt or some, for some reason is underperforming is actually Keegan Murray, because I yep. think that the Kings are going to be good. So I really, and, and I've always liked Keegan Murray. I, I think he's, was an awesome draft pick for them. Like it was stupid. I was mad at them because they let Jaden Ivey fall to the Pistons. And I think the Pistons are going to be amazing. Yes. Um, however, I don't consider Jaden Ivey to be in the running for the rookie of the year thing. Cause it Cade. Um, but with Keegan, it's like, as long as you're on like a winning team, which I think it's possible that the Kings are very much, you know, in the mix for like an actual, sure. you know, 60 or something this year. Like that's, we talk about where their ceiling could be. I think that's their ceiling or at least a plan team. Like I could see them getting, you know, a seven or eight seat or something. And if they're doing that and he's a big part of that, which it looks like he could be, then he should be in the discussion. But if Paolo's healthy, I don't see a world where it's not him. Yeah, I mean, totally agree with you. Uh, I, I've heard a lot of people who are King's truthers like yourself saying that this is it. This is the breakout. And you're right. Keegan Murray would be the guy. He's basically the only guy on that team that anything could run through. But I agree with you. Uh, Paolo's, I mean, the big thing here. He's got such a lead already. Yeah. And then uh, last thing for like defensive player of the year awards and stuff. I think like I'm just looking at players that I think just haven't won it yet that probably should or at least should be in the conversation. And for me, it's Bam. I mean, Bam just hasn't played enough yep. games in recent years, but it's like as long as that guy stays on the floor, I don't really see a world where he doesn't win it. And it's not only the production. Again, when we go back to like you have to think about these things of how people are going to vote. And I do think they, that certain voters will look at it that way with Bam, where it's like, I wanted to give it to him in the past, but I haven't been able to because he hasn't been able to stay on the floor. So it's like, as long as he can just play the like right amount of games, then I think it's, it's kind of his award to lose this year. And I mean, obviously you got to look at Rudy Gobert and things like that, but voters do want to look at new options. You know, they always want Cause like, if you're Rudy Gobert and you've won it three times, the same thing with the MVP conversations. Like once you win it twice, it's like, how much better can you really Wonderful. be? Like how much better is Jokic or Giannis going to be like, and the thing is they do get better, but it's like their bar is already so high. So, so it's easier to look at obviously those people who haven't won it. So bam stands out to me. I also think last year's Marcus smart victory could have opened the door for other guys. So obviously I think you have to look at drew holiday just because I find it hard to believe that guards would win it back to back years, but I think Holiday was already a better defender last year than Marcus Smart anyway. So, and the Bucks defense is already uh, always unstoppable. And as if they're like 
They struggled a little bit last year, but if they're very good again this year, you know, I could see Drew being in the conversation. And then Mikhail Bridges, obviously, for the Suns. Uh, I just think Smart probably opened the door for a little bit more consideration for some guys. And those are two names that I would look at this year. But I, I my pick right now, I think, would be Bam as long as he can stay healthy. Yeah, the thing with defensive player of the year is it fluctuates so much. I mean, Marcus Smart in December and January, he was 250 to one. And I know people that had tickets on that because they're like, He's really, really good, and he shouldn't be priced like this. So that's something, like everything that we've talked about today, you just kind of keep your eye on somebody that I would look at, and they're more longer shots. Evan Mobley's 20 to 1. He's obviously right. a big defensive presence. If you expect him to take a leap, and obviously the uh, Cavaliers, I almost said the Guardians, baseball on the mind. Uh, <laughs> the Cavaliers, obviously, everyone expects them to take a, a leap, and really they did last year, but now with Donovan Mitchell, everyone expects them to be like, okay, now the Cavs have arrived. And Mobley could be that defensive stalwart, that guy. He could be that Rudy Gobert with a little bit more offense, obviously. But, you know, he could be that guy. And another one, 29 to 1 for Jaron Jackson Jr. Obviously, he has to stay healthy. And that's been his issue. He can't stay on the court. But if you look, especially in blocks, for a lot of the year, he was up there among the league leaders as far as blocks and as far as defensive efficiency. So he may be someone to look at. Again, has to stay healthy, has to stay on the court, which has been his issue. Well, yeah, you need. And also, it's just, it just, that's a kind of a, I think a good pointer in general, when you're just like looking at things that, uh, you know, looking for opportunities, just look at teams who, uh, have potential to be very good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like right. that's always one, the first thing <laughs> what, to do, which like are you want to look at people a, are going to be talking about. Ed. Yeah. Like first look at a winning team, right. but obviously like, but also I think like for the defensive player of the year, uh, situations too, like the reason that a Jaron Jackson would be an interesting, like long shot bet is just because it's like, well, who else is going to be their standout defensive right. player? Like there's no other option. And it's the same thing. Like the reason why it could be hard for like drew is because, you know, Giannis is there and he's a defensive <laughs> player good. of the year, uh, like award winner. So, but then, you know, on the Suns, it's like, well, Mikhail's clearly their best, mm-hmm. you know, defender, like everything on the defensive end, at least is, is going to kind of uh, it's, it's going to rely on him. And it's the same thing with Marcus smart, where it's like, yes, the whole team was good defensively, but he's always been known for that. So that's why I think for that award, I mean, it's, it's a general rule of thumb, I think, but for that more award in general, like that's why I talked about looking at those guys that haven't won it yet, but it's like, as long as they can just play the games, then they could probably get there. Cause it's just rare that you have like, like Marcus smarts been a great defensive player for a long time. And then finally people are like, okay, he's had a really good year again. The team's really good. The defense has been amazing this year. We'll, we'll vote him in. We'll give it right. to him. And that's a lot of time how these things work. It's just like that guy's always been on our mind. And then finally this year we can give it to and, him. And I think so. that's pr- part of the problem you'll run into with this. I think voters probably want to give it to Bam. And that's why he's the second favorite. It's because he's been in the conversation every year for the last couple of years. Right. And he's just, just barely missed because Marcus smart was really, really awesome last year. And, you know, so it's, I think the voters are going to be trying to want to give it to bam. And obviously we expect the heat to be pretty good so that you run into that problem a little bit, but yeah, I mean, defensive player of the year, I think is an opportunity. Just watch it through the season. There's, there's always going to be opportunities that goes for any award. Right. So uh, a team that definitely will not have a defensive player of the year award winner <laughs> is the Bulls. <laughs> I will just at least transition to some Bulls talk now. But no, to be to be real, I mean, I think if we're talking about like any potential award winner on the Bulls, which I was, I'm planning to write a post on this eventually at uh, uh, for Bleacher Nation, just to look at like what are the chances because there's not a lot of opportunities there. But I think if you, I think personally, like a guy like Alex Caruso and is not. It's not common, but that's the type of player who should be in the running for like a six man. They always give it to the spark plug type, but like he's somebody, if he continues to be, you know, as crucial as he is defensively and he's closing games for them, but he's going to continue to come off the bench. 
Like, I don't know why he shouldn't be, you know, more considered for a six man of the year award. I don't even know what he's, you know, what they would have him projected to be, but I can't imagine it's very high considering what we're saying. It always goes to scores, but um, he's somebody that I would have an eye on. And then like for just a long shot odds, uh, I'm looking at it right now, and I actually see Io Desumu listed. He's going to be the starting point guard, so yeah. that's going to be ruled that, out. That's what okay, I was just looking up. Actually, uh, Desumu is listed at 80 to one for most improved player. So if if, if you want to take uh, a real uh, long shot, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Hey, hey, but that's the thing, right? Like when we want to talk about just like crazy stuff, you can talk yourself into it because he's going to start. Right. Like he's going to be the starting point guard. There's going to be plenty of opportunity. He checks a couple of the base boxes that you have to have. Yeah, and right. people love to talk so, about the Bulls. For good or bad. I mean, it's it's true for good or bad, mostly bad. For people love it. Like anytime they can talk about it. Um, yeah, and then and then uh, you know MVP. I don't see any world where the Bulls are having a real MVP. But sure. we saw DeRozan get in the conversation yeah, last year, absolutely. And we saw like and and I think we can't rule out the idea of Zach being in the same in the same conversation the same way at least. Sure. Not where like he's never going to be a top five. Like I don't think he's going to be a top five candidate. But it's like if the Bulls like are somehow in a top three seed, you know, midway through the year or so, like we said earlier in the show, you just have to have someone that you throw out there. And I do think Zach will reclaim the leading scorer role this year. I do think he'll be the the go-to guy because the knee issue really got in the way. So I think most, he will be the guy again this year for them. And maybe he finds himself a little bit in the conversation, but overall, yeah, it's hard. And Dalen Terry's not winning rookie of the year. (laughs) So there's not there's not a lot of potential there. However, if we're looking at their over under win total, um, I've seen it vary a little bit depending on obviously where you're looking at, but it's mostly around like the 41 and a half. I would say to like four. I think the highest I maybe have seen is 43 and a half. But then even depending on where you're looking, they're kind of always in the same spot, which is you know in the east, which is kind of that seventh. Mm-hmm. I feel like that eight seven to eight range for the most wins in the east. So. For me, I'm taking the over, but I'm just curious, like what, where are you at right now on this team? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard strong arguments for both the over and the under on this bulls team. Uh, we'll start with the under. We'll do the bad first. Uh, I mean, a lot of people, there's no way DeMar DeRozan can repeat what he did last year, which is probably true. He probably won't be as good as he was last year. He probably won't be an MVP candidate like he was last year. Um, and you know, you're missing Lonzo ball for the full year, obviously, but then Things that you have to consider on the other side. Full year of Alex Caruso. Now, Io Desunmu, you probably, you know, get a full year of. Not sure my camera did that, but whatever. Um, but you get a full year of Alex Caruso, and you saw how much this Bulls team faltered and suffered when he was not on the court. And, you know, obviously, Lonzo Ball, you're not going to have him. He's supposed to be your facilitator. But you talked about it. The Zach Levine knee injury. We saw that hamper him. He said he was hearing clicking when he was walking. Like, that's not supposed to happen as a human being. Um, but uh, like, and also on that track, Nikola Vucevic probably can't be that bad this year. And he looks great in pre- preseason. I re- you know, people are tweeting about him positively, which is the first time we've seen that in months. People are trying to get him out for DeAndre Ayton for most of the off season. But, you know, I, I think I'm with you on the over if I had to pick one, um, just because I think. They showed enough last year to show they're, they're an above 500 team. I think they'll be, a, you know, on the fringe playoff, probably play in because the East has gotten better. But I mean, this Bulls team, I mean, like we've talked about this whole, you know, uh, podcast variance. There's just so much variance with this Bulls team. You know, what What if it doesn't work out with Io Dusumi? What, what? And God, that hurts my heart to say, because I'm a huge Io Dusumi guy, as most people know. But 
you know, what if it, if he can't handle being a starting player? What if Dalen Terry isn't what you think he is? What if Patrick Williams continues to not really be anything that you thought he was going to be? A lot of variants. But also, what if they're awesome? <laughs> what, what if they're just awesome? <laughs> so it depends. Yeah, so I, I the way I look at like where their over-under situation is, is I, I just think that one of goes back to what we talked about earlier in the show with like good regular season teams. I think the bulls are built to be like a fine regular season team, whether we can, there's concerns about the in the playoffs. There's concerns about their rim protection in the playoffs. Like I do have plenty of concerns and I don't think like, I think it will be hard for them to win a potentially to win a first round series right now, especially if Lonzo doesn't have enough time when he comes back and the team's able to figure things out. But like regular season, do you season expect wise, Lonzo to come back at some point this season? Yeah, I do. I, I think he's. I, I think he'll come back. I don't. I, I don't think it's going to be soon by any sure. means. But yeah. I think like it could be February. You know, like I because they're going to go really slow with him for sure after everything that happened. But yeah, my guess would be that probably somewhere around the All Star break they're talking about him coming back. And and the, and the scary thing then is you know you need him to you need to see how he meshes. (laughs) Can you add him back into the picture? The good news is that like some, cause sometimes big trades are made and they don't work out because at least right away, because you know, it takes time for guys to build chemistry. The good thing is he had at least last year to do some of that, but it's still going to be a learning curve when he comes back because they're going to be playing a long time without him. But yeah, I do think as of right now, we'll see him play this year. It's just, what are we going to get from him? Exactly. Is the big question. Um, Yeah. As for where they stand though, like in, in, in some of these over under stuff, I'm just picking the over because I think they're going to be a good regular season team. And we talk about all this change. There's a lot of improvement in the East. There's no question. Like I'm kind of down on what the Bulls can do long-term right now. But for this year, like you kind of said it, Vooch can't be much worse. I expect a better Vucevic. Like he's already looking better. He's already looking more confident. The Their new offense they're playing already seems to suit him a little bit more. They seem to be getting the ball to him more in the post. Zach's healthy. You know, DeMar, I just think for years and years, it's been like, every year going into each year, it's just like, well, DeMar's nothing, DeMar's nothing. And then every year DeMar's like, I'm something, I'm something. So I do think this year that'll happen again. He's not going to be what he was last year, but that's because he doesn't need to be because theoretically Levine should be able to step up and take a little bit more of the responsibility. Life should be easier on DeMar. And yeah, obviously X factors are Patrick Williams and those type of things. And you just need, you don't even need, as long as the three all-stars are playing at a high level, like, and Caruso, we know what we're going to get from him. Like as long as, you know, Patrick Williams gives you a little bit of something, which I don't think is too much to think like maybe he's not going to be this. He's not going to take this massive leap this year, but as long as he gives you a little bit of something and then you get a little bit of something from Javante Green, which you're already seeing in these other role players and Io takes a little bit of a step, all this stuff like factor that all in. And it's just hard for me not to see them, you know, at least getting close to where they were last year in terms of their win total. And I understand why heading into this year, it's, it's very you know, there's a lot of people are down on them because we're it's in some ways, recency bias. The second half of last year was really bad, but then we sometimes forget to factor in like the first half of last year yeah, when we, absolutely. when we look at, you know, the first half of last year happened too. And they looked really good at times. They're going to be able to be bad teams, you know, like the schedule this year starts hard, but then it gets a lot easier. So I think there's a route for them to, to, to win at least, you know, if you're giving me a 41, 42, like I can, I'm seeing them winning at least like 44 games. Like in my mind, sure. like that seems to be the benchmark right. M- might me. be a little sweaty. Like you're not going to clear it by leaps and bounds. Like last year. I mean, last year, prior to the season, they were in the thirties and they obviously blew right. Oh yeah. It. You're not going to clear yeah. this one. Yeah. You're, yeah, yeah. you're not going to be, <laughs> huh? you're going to be sweating a little bit at the end of the season. Right. 
Right. Yeah. Like, no. And, and I think that's, and that's that, but that's more of a testament in my opinion to like what this Bulls team is going to or like, that's less of a testament to what this Bulls team is going to be and more of a testament to just how good the East is going to be. Like teams are going to be beating up on each other and, you know, and, uh, and so they're probably, they probably will have less wins, but maybe that doesn't necessarily mean that they end up any, any, uh, any worse than they were last year when we just look at everything. So uh, yeah, I'm picking the over. I'm, I'm relatively, I'm not, that's the thing. I don't even think me picking the over is high on them because sure, I'm not yeah. that high on them. I just think it's like, eh, I, I think people are a little bit too down on, you know, what, I don't know. They're putting too much into the second half of last year and they're a little too down on like what just having good all-star caliber players, like the, the, the floor that's created by having that type of talent. So. Yeah. And that's the thing too, when you're considering something like a win total, it's around 500, like, the floor that the Bulls have theoretically between Caruso, Levine, Vucevic, DeRozan, just those four alone, guys who are established NBA players, guys who have been all-stars, that raises their floor considerably. And yeah, they are in, obviously the division's tough with the Bucks and the Cavs now, and even the Pistons are probably going to be better, we expect. So it's kind of like where it's more of, and I think that's why people are low on the Bulls. It's because, okay, where do they fit in as far as the Bucks, obvious champion contenders? Cavs, okay, now are probably going to make a leap and maybe be in that champ, that maybe championship contender widow. And the Pistons got better. And it's like, well, the Bulls have all these issues, so where do they fit? And that, and I think that's kind of where you get some of that variance. So I, if I had to pick, I would be with you on the over. I think they'd be around like that 44 probably sounds right. Um, you know, they're probably not going to win 50 games. But, hey, I mean, again, like I said, they could just be awesome. It could all just work, and, they, and then right, Roger right. Ball well, comes back, the and they might just be awesome. <laughs> right. It, yeah, and that's definitely that's something that we, we truly have to consider after the first half we saw last year. Yeah. So I just think – I just think last year was the perfect, like the textbook example of it has to be somewhere in the middle, right? So you're not like the fir- the team that you were the number one seed at the beginning of the year, but you're also not the borderline playing team that you were in the second half sure. of the year. The truth is like, and it's where they ended up at the sixth seed, but the truth, and that's how I think they'll look this year. They'll look more like a team competing to try to stay out of the playing tournament for the whole year. Just a team that looks like around that sixth seed type instead of being either really high, really low. Like the truth is in the middle. The floor is a relatively high floor for this team. Again, talking long-term, that's a different story. But I think for this year right now, uh, they're in a position to, to, to be fine. They'll be yeah. okay. And that's not the most exciting thing to hear. <laughs> Does, doesn't get people riled up that much. They'll, they'll yeah, be fine. Yeah. All right. <laughs> right. All right. Well, I think well we can wrap it up there. Jake, I, I, I appreciate you coming on. If you have, I obviously plugged some of your, the stuff that you do, but if you want to, if you want to use this opportunity to plug anything <laughs> that you got, go for it. Yeah. I mean, listen to BetQL daily seven to 11 central every morning. Listen to you better. You bet two to six central uh, producer. Some I'm on there for obviously Eli knows big baseball guy, big baseball boy. So I'll be on for the MLB postseason, giving some picks out on the air and on the podcast, obviously. And then listen to bears nation podcast. If you want to uh, be a masochist like myself and just really, really lean into being a bears fan and uh all the emotional roller coasters that come with that bears nation podcast uh, on twitch youtube wherever you get your podcasts find me there too beautiful plugs thank you Jake, Not my first thank time. you well you're you'll be oh <laughs> I, I know you'll be coming you'll be coming back absolutely would love it. to thank anytime you. let's talk about the bulls preseason so the way i wanted to go about doing this to keep it somewhat efficient was go through a post that I wrote prior to the start of the Chicago Bulls for preseason games on BleacherNation.com. You can always read my work there. Hashtag shameless plug. So what I wrote there was questions we need answered over the Chicago Bulls for preseason games. 
man, what a headline. I know, just obvious to the point, but makes you want to read, doesn't it? Don't answer that. So the first question that uh, I threw into this post, it was the most obvious one at the time, is who is the new starting point guard going to be? We got our answer. I think it was always obvious. I even wrote, I've, I've written it multiple times in the past. I think Ayodesumu made the most sense for the Chicago Bulls starting point guard position. Not only do I think he made it the most sense from an offensive standpoint, yes, you have the, it's fun to have the catch and shoot ability of Kobe White around these all-star starters for sure. However, he's too inconsistent. His defense is completely unreliable, not worth having out there. As for Goran Dragic, it could be nice to have his IQ, his experience on the floor, but at this stage in his career, it's better to be able to handle his minutes uh, by putting him on the bench. He's just proven to be incredibly handy in the role that the Bulls originally put him in, which was that six-man role. And I think Billy Donovan showed even last year by choosing Desumu over him that he preferred to have, you know, manage Caruso's minutes in in that uh, off-the-bench role, whether it be, uh, you know, being able to put him on different people throughout the game for defensive matchup purposes, but also having him as a leader for that second unit is is definitely valuable. His experience out there is important. Not to mention, I mean, he's going to be in the closing lineup no matter what, so... I think some people might be like, well, you know, Caruso deserves to start, but really all that matters is if you're in the closing lineup, and and he will be because of his defensive capabilities. For Desumu, though, he offers this level of playmaking that that probably most reflects what you're going to get from Lonzo. No, he isn't as savvy. No, he isn't as creative, but he's one of those players that likes to push the pace in transition. He wants to get the ball up the floor. He's completely unselfish, so from an offensive standpoint, I think that makes sense. He can actually probably do a little bit more in the half court than Lonzo can offensively, just in terms of being uh, a ball handler. I think we could see him in a little bit more pick and roll action this year. I also think uh, he won't be able to provide you the three-point shot that Lonzo does, which is incredibly valuable to this team, but he seems to be improved as a three-point shooter, especially off the catch. So I just think overall, Desumu made the most sense for, for the way this team wants to play, which we're gonna get into with another one of these questions. But it just, it just, everything fit there. And he had the experience last year with the team. Uh, there's just something at this point, it's crazy to say because he's only in his second year of his career, but you feel like you know what you're going to get out of Desumu. You feel like he's a player that you can trust. So having him alongside these starters is a testament to that. And I think he's also someone this front office really does believe can, can take an even greater step uh, forward this season. And maybe we see that step as he gets to be, you know, a full-time starter. So I'm excited for it. I think it was the right choice. I think it was the choice that always made the most sense. Next question. This was the second biggest one. I think it was kind of tied to who the starting point guard was going to be. But what's the offensive identity of this Bulls team? We truly did not see one in the first preseason game against the Pelicans. It was a complete mess. We know that Billy Donovan wanted to try to transition to more of a five-out offense uh, this season using also trying to prioritize you know randomness was the word being thrown around by donovan himself but what that basically means is just the idea of more freedom in the offense right more ball movement trying to generate more flexibility with how you're going to approach different matchups so for for me that's basically just hey move off the ball keep moving in the half court our half court offense last year it had we, we couldn't get anything going so this year is just like keep keep your feet moving somebody's going to be open we all have to be smart we all have to make sure we're hitting the open man everybody cut hard to the basket let's get easy points it's all about getting easy points 
the Bulls, I think in their mind, it's like, we're athletic enough. We're talented enough. We have enough uh, talented shot creators that this should just be an offense that prioritizes movement and also prioritizes attacking the rim. That's what I think is going to be very key to the tight when we talk about an offensive identity. This Bulls team, I think, is going to want to pound the rock, right? So they might not be the most physical team. They might not be generating the most free throws, which I think is a little bit of a problem uh, in the preseason, actually. I think they lost the free throw battle in each of their games. I'd have to go back and double check this. But, you know, some of that's problems on the defensive end. But also just if you're going to play this style, maybe you should be getting to the free throw line a little bit more. However, they were also very efficient scoring the basketball, so I don't want to complain too much about it. But anyway, I'm rambling a little bit. Point being, circling back, the idea of pounding the rock, whether it be in transition or whether it be through hard cuts or hard drives to the rim in the half court, you have intense athleticism on this team, whether it be Zach Levine, who can just attack you downhill, whether it be Javante Green, who has proven to be you know, a stellar role player, somebody who's constantly trying to hunt cutting lanes, Patrick Williams, somebody who has a level of physicality and they keep trying to bring this out of him, but has a level of physicality and uh, a level of athleticism around the rim that should be, in the future, you'd hope will be elite. Vucevic, you know, he's not going to be necessarily putting the ball on the ground and going at the rim, or at least he shouldn't be, but setting him up in the post, having him back guys down, being able to switch him through this more, you know, five-out scheme, random offense, switch him onto a smaller body, get him in well-positioned spots in the post, let him back guys down, use the fancy footwork that made him an all-star when he was in Orlando, getting him more in his spots. Last year, it was a lot of like, okay, Vooch, space the floor. We're going to try to hit you, take advantage of that 40%, three-point percentage that you had a year before. It was more about let's use Vooch, the shooter, the unique seven-foot you know, shooter, as opposed to let's use Vooch, the interior presence, the interior force, uh, efficient shot maker that he was when he was in Orlando. So it's it's clear in the preseason that the idea is let's just get as much offense around the rim as we can. I think I think I have it pulled up right here. Chicago ended up averaging the fifth most points in the paint uh, so far this preseason, and I expect to see you know similar numbers throughout the regular season especially because we all know three-point shooting-wise, they're not going to shoot many, and it seems like they want to shoot more this year. That should be the goal. That was a problem last year, That, but they just didn't add that many shooters. So I think they know, like, we need to try to get, you know, into the paint. We need to try to get easy looks, just get guys all going in that direction. Now, this also includes transition, right? This is going to be their offensive identity. It's not just going to be, you know, pounding the rock in the half court or anything like that, but it's also getting out in transition, playing fast. You know, you're mixing in the elite skill set they had last year, which was transition basketball. They were a team that when Lonzo was in there, they would force a ton of turnovers. They would be able to capitalize on those turnovers. And while they may not be able to force as many turnovers this year, just because of Lonzo not being out there. I think Io, you know, he's a talented defender, but he's just not naturally going to probably force um, as many deflections and steals as, as the Lonzo Caruso tandem was. But the goal is still clearly let's try to push the ball up the floor, whether it be off of the rebound, even off an inbound. But we're talking mainly about transition. So getting the rebound and getting it going, pushing it downfield, even though we don't have Lonzo, it doesn't matter. Just make the easy pass and let's get everybody down there. This team had 
what was it, the second most fast break points of the preseason. It's clearly a goal. Like we said, it's athletes being athletes. They want to use these guys to their advantage. And playing fast, playing downhill is going to be the way to do that. So that's, that's what I expect to see from, this, from the team this year. Okay, next question we had that we needed answered was, is Patrick Williams looking comfortable? Man, in hindsight, reading my thoughts on this, oh, hurts my heart. It really hurts my heart. Here's the deal. It's not that Patrick Williams didn't look comfortable. It's just that he didn't look like really anything for the first three games. It sucks, but we saw him demoted after the first uh, Billy Donovan demoted him. Now, if you want to use the word demoted, I understand some people have a gripe with using that word. But at the end of the day, he was moved from the starting lineup to the second unit. It feels like a little bit of a demotion when we think about who he's supposed to be for this franchise and the role he's supposed to possess this season. So move to the second unit. Doesn't really do much over the next two games uh, in the second unit, in that opportunity. Had a couple of little flashes and little moments on both ends of the floor, but nothing too exciting. And then there was that fourth and final game. In that fourth and final game, moves back into the starting lineup. Zach Levine's out of the way. DeMar DeRozan's out of the way. Opportunity is knocking. The door has swung wide open. It's telling Patrick Williams, walk through it, do what you can and he did. He, he, he Just like we saw him do against the Minnesota Timberwolves at the end of last year when guys were resting, uh, just like we saw him do against the Clippers at times, you know, he took advantage of, of what was there for him. And he played extremely well. He had five dunks in the game, all of them coming off easy points. He, he did look comfortable in that final game. He was able to get easy points. I think that's the biggest thing that I, I, I keep trying to harp when I talk to people about Patrick Williams is you know, eventually he might be this elite player on both ends of the floor. Maybe he's putting the ball on the floor and creating for himself, getting shots off by himself. He doesn't need to be that right now, especially not in this starting lineup, especially not playing with guys like Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic. What he needs to be prioritizing is just putting himself in the right spots, right? Having the right feel for the game. We saw that in this final preseason game where easy stuff, He's going, he's being aggressive, he's setting the screen, he's rolling, he gets hit, he jumps up, uses his athleticism to get to get an easy dunk, right? He can just plop it right over people. We saw him take it off the dribble right on Isaiah Hartenstein. It's even easier against the Clippers last year. It's even easier when you just get it right in the paint and you just have to jump up and dunk it over somebody's head. You know, so he has five dunks. We saw him getting points in transition like we just talked about with the offense making sure they push it up the floor. He knows it. He's going to start booking at the moment he sees a rebound fall into Nikola Vucevic's hand. We see him moving off the ball, trying to find the open lane. He sees Caruso coming baseline. What is he going to do? He's going to adjust, slide open, slide over to the wing. He sees an opening. He starts running. Caruso smart enough, hits him. Boom, another dunk. Easy stuff. We're talking about super easy baskets. He's, a, he's proven himself to be a, a efficient enough three-point shooter that take those catch-and-shoot opportunities. Don't hesitate like you have over the past couple of years. Just let him fly. So... There are opportunities within this offense, regardless of if he plays with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan or without, that should just easily open up to him. He should watch a teammate like Javante Green. He should even watch a teammate, a rookie like Daylon Terry. These are players who just naturally, and I know that can sound bad to say, right? Like, watch your rookie teammate. This is a third-year guy, number four overall pick. But the talent's all there for Patrick Williams. The problem is the aggressiveness and the mindset. Again, that can be scary. I get it. I have my concerns about it. However, if he can just flip that mental switch, there's so much that's going to open up for him. And 
theoretically, the fact that he did everything that we're talking about in a lineup of Kobe White, Ayodesumu, Dalen Terry, Nikola Vucevic, you know, there, it should be even easier to do all these things when you're in a lineup with Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, and Ayodesumu. You know, you're playing against the starters. Yes, it might be tougher defensive matchups, but the floor is opened up even more. The defense is even more distracted by your elite teammates. You have an option to take advantage of those opportunities. So it's up to him to lock in. So at the end of the day, is Patrick Williams looking comfortable? Yes and no. He he's he doesn't seem to fully understand the role that he can play in this offense. Uh, even on defense, you know, there's there's some mishaps, but he doesn't fully understand the type of player that he needs to be in this starting lineup. Maybe he doesn't right away. Maybe he starts on the bench and starts to gain confidence and build things up. That's another way to do it that I'm completely okay with. I think by the end of the year, he would move back in to the starting lineup because they need his size. But the answer is yes and no. He showed signs of it, and I think overall he has a ways to go. But there's some encouraging signs, and, and let's just hope that a flip switch in that final preseason game. The next question was honestly one of the ones I was most interested in for this preseason, and it was, can anyone make it hard on Billy Donovan? Javante Green did this last year, and, well, he did it again (laughs) this year. I already thought that Javante Green's success last year in the starting lineup, just as a, you know, garbage man in all the best ways possible, there's nothing wrong with being a garbage man, let me just, I just want to make that clear, everything's, do what you want to do, if that's, if that, you know, rocks your boat, that pays your bills, go for it, love it, and I mean it in the most positive way possible right now. Javante Green is the best garbage man in the world. He does all the dirty work. He does all the little things. He tries to clean up any defensive mistakes that he can. On the offensive end, like we said earlier, he's the one cutting hard to the basket. He's the one going off, soaring in the air for transition dunks. He's the one looking for alley-oop opportunities. He just does all these little things around all-star caliber players that, that you need on winning teams. So he did it last year in, in the preseason he looked fantastic. He looked like a great fit around what the Bulls were trying to do. And it earned him a lot of playing time. And funny enough, he just did it again <laughs> with the Bulls. Even even more so, he already, already was going to be a part of this rotation because of how much Billy Donovan uh, you know, respected what he brings to the floor and how much he thought the Bulls needed what he brought to the floor. But this year, I mean, he brought it to a whole new level. We're talking about a guy, especially on a contract year, if he looks like somebody who could get he can get a huge paycheck next summer. I mean, we're not, let's, let's not be absurd here. Like he's still a role player, but to think about what he was, someone who came into the league late around what, 27 years old or so. He played several years overseas after attending Radford university. Like what he's been able to build himself is extremely impressive. And he's starting to look like that kind of player that winning teams are just going to pay to have. He's going to he could, if the Bulls don't decide to keep him, which, you know, it would be great if they did. He looks like the type of player that winning teams are just going to want to snatch. And every couple of years, he'll be with this winning team. And ever a couple of years, he'll be with that winning team and, and that kind of guy. So Billy Donovan literally has to consider on opening night, putting him in the starting lineup. He's made it so, it's so obvious, you know, to think like, if Patrick Williams is healthy, he should be the starter. I still think that's probably the case just because they need his defensive, you know, instincts and and his size in the front court, but at the same time, Green's so good at what he does even though he stands only about 6-5. He's so good at what he does that you want to risk not having that more traditional size in the lineup because of how effective he is and how much chemistry he's been able to build with this uh, with this starting lineup. And to be clear, like it shouldn't be shocking that he was been able to do this because he played, what, it was 251 minutes 
with the projected starters last year. That was the most of any lineup in the league included, or any lineup on the Bulls included Javante Green. It was Levine, DeRozan, Vucevic, Desumu, Green. That lineup played the most last year. The second, the lineup that played the second most minutes last year also included Javante Green. So the fact that a guy like Patrick Williams has struggled to catch up and Green is the one who has made it hard on Billy Donovan and been like, you got to sit your, <laughs> you might have to sit your number four overall guy for me because of look how, yeah, how much more effective I am in this role. That's what's happened. But anyway, that's a tangent on Green. He sh- he just deserves some respect. He's been awesome. To more directly answer that question. Because, like I said, I think Green was going to be a part of this rotation anyway. The person who I think made it hardest on on Donovan this year was clearly uh, Dale and Terry. Terry, while his stats might not jump off the page, all it takes is watching one of his appearances to understand why the Bulls drafted him and why they see a fit for him long-term on this team. He'll need to improve. There's no question about it. And I don't think he'll start the year in this rotation. It just There's not a spot for him right now. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But the moment someone gets hurt... The moment someone's underachieving, the person who's going to get their name called next is, is Dalen Terry. Court Vision has looked as advertised and as we saw during the at times during the preseason. Then on top of that, you've had his aggressiveness going downhill. We talk about the offensive identity. He's been amazing as a playmaker in transition, but also just not scared to put his head down and get to the rim. Defensively, he provides length that just isn't, there isn't a lot of on this roster when we think about kind of more you know, six, seven wing defenders, seven foot wingspan, guys who can really get out there. He's active on the defensive end. He's always flying around. He's the type of defender you're just going to hate because he's always in your face. He's making things annoying. His first play in a Bulls uniform during the preseason, awesome defensive possession. And the, I forgot who he was guarding exactly, but he got bailed out by a foul, but he's just in that guy's face. He's hounding him. And so there's a level of intensity that it's just valuable, one, to have on the floor, but a level, and I feel like I keep using this word, of effectiveness that we saw in the preseason that is just hard to deny. I think he's going to find his way on the floor for minutes this year. I think Donovan saw you know, the, the, the potential for him. When we talk about dirty work players like Green, I compared them even at the time of the draft. I just think there's, there's aspects of how they approach the game and how they play and how they will fit around star players that just works and Dalen Terry is one of those guys that just works and then if he can if he if this man can add a jumper guys if this man can add a jumper I mean he's gonna be incredibly good that's the big problem right now and that would be the hesitance to put him out there is because you know he he's not a catch and shoot threat right now he's not somebody that you're you're concerned about um you know with a with any sort of pull-up jumper or any sort of of thing like that but at the end of the day, he still does so many other things so well, and he plays with so much energy that it's hard not to want him out there. All right, I think that's a lot. That's a lot of that's a lot of preseason thoughts, right? We ran through a lot of stuff. I feel like there's stuff that I've. I mean, you know, I don't really want to comment on the Lonzo Ball injury stuff right now. It's just so sad. I know I didn't really comment on that on any show yet, but. But he's hurt, and that's it is what it is. I think he'll return this year. You know, that seems to be all signs pointing in that direction. But at the end of the day, the Bulls just need to learn how to play without him. And that should make them better in the long run. If, if they can play more effectively without him, they'll be a better team when he does come back. So it is what it is, and, and the Bulls just have to deal with it. It sucks from from a viewership standpoint, too, because they're just so fun to watch when he's on the floor. But uh, but that's that's the way that the cookie crumbles. 
other than that, I think we're going to wrap it up. I'll have plenty of other thoughts, obviously, uh, on the Bulls and on the league as a whole. But this was the first show back. A little messy, right? I would say it's a little rough around the edges. It's kind of a lot of stuff, a lot of thoughts jam-packed in there. But I wouldn't want it any other way. I have a lot of thoughts going through my head for the start of the NBA season. So I'm excited for it. Next week is when things really tip off. I look forward to talking again then. I want to thank everybody for following along thus far. And I'm excited for our first full season of NBA basketball. Thank you guys for listening. We will talk soon.